He kōna e pūrangi tēnei nā te reo irirangi o Aotearoa. First word that comes to mind is shagging, bonk, rooting, <laughs> procreation, the ins and outs of sex. <laughs> Okay. Uh, oh, bang. bang. What? Bang. It's called bang. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm, bang. <laughs> <laughs> Kia ora, welcome back to Bang. I'm Melody Thomas, and together we're exploring sex, sexuality, and intimacy over a lifetime. If you're just joining us now, in earlier episodes we've talked about the ways parents talk with young children about sex, we've heard teenagers on what they want and what they feel is missing from sexuality education, and 20-somethings on dating and hooking up. In today's episode, Love and Marriage, we take a closer look at long-term relationships and ask three different couples about their experiences of intimacy and how that's changed over the years. But first, a scene setter. It gives me great pleasure to pronounce you husband and wife. Relationships start in a bunch of different ways. Some people are friends for years before realising there's more to it. Others spy each other across the room and just know. There's the open relationships, the long-term casual hookups, those that want nothing more than companionship, and the ones that just don't seem to work until one day they do. But in many cases, a long-term commitment starts with a first spark, with butterflies and inescapable attraction and conversations that go on for hours and hours. My good friend Mel is right in this honeymoon phase at the moment with her boyfriend Merlin. She's been living in Melbourne for four years, but recently came back for the wedding of a friend of ours and she brought Merlin to meet the friends and family. So the day after the wedding, while they were still half awake and loved up from the celebrations, I jumped into their bed with my microphones for a reminder of what those first infatuated months can be like. How long have you guys been seeing each other? Almost four months, mm. yeah. We, we made it official on Merlin's birthday. He's just like, hey, um, so do you, do you just want to be together? I didn't even have to think about it. I was just like, yep, yep, totally. Less it. than a week later, we told each other we loved each other. What it, did you say? What, how did you say? I, yeah, I know that I'm probably not supposed to tell you this so early on. But? But I'm so in love with you. True. And he said, I'm so in love with you too. So this happened all very quickly. Mm. But when you know, you know, you know? Mm. Well, I know. I know. <laughs> I know you know. <laughs> <laughs> Can you hear this conversation from the point of view of a listener who might have been in a relationship for 10 years or who's a bit more cynical about all of this than you? Mm. Totally. I'm almost 30 and I've never really been in a serious relationship. He's probably only been one semi-serious thing that was off and on for like a year and a half. wasn't very nice. Before I'd met you, I'd completely given up. But I was okay with that as well. I was like, I'm happy with the idea of being single forever. Did you know that something could feel as easy as it does with Merlin? No, definitely not. I think that's why I tried so hard to make other things work. And I also thought something was wrong with me as well for a long time. Like my friends were like, oh, you're too fussy, you know, because any time someone 
was really interested. It was like I just had to get out of it straight away. Like it was, I felt trapped. Yeah, and I did think that maybe I was, I was being too, I don't know, looking for something that doesn't exist, basically. Yeah. But it turns out it does, apparently. So. <laughs> I've cast you as the smitten new couple, mm. and you're playing that role so beautifully. <laughs> Is that where you see yourselves? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the smitten, new, loved-up couple. Yeah. yeah, for sure. But also don't ever feel like maybe I'm being naive. I don't feel like this feeling will ever go away. Like, we literally mm. are inseparable. I can't spend a night without him. Yeah, it's true. I'm so sad to think that maybe that would that would change if we were, like, 20 years down the track and had kids. Yeah. I got this amazing text off Mel one night. We'd spent the night apart, and she's like, I miss you so much. Like, I had to sleep with the light on last night. I just couldn't. It's like I was scared of the dark or something. I'm completely... I just can't be alone anymore. It's weird. And, like, I've been alone forever. But even when I've been with people, I've been very independent. And, I, yeah, and now I'm just, like, the complete opposite. It's weird. What's sex like for you guys? <laughs> <laughs> so, so amazing. I don't think I'd ever really been doing it properly until I met you. <laughs> well, I mean, for myself, like, yeah. just to be completely, you know, let down all the walls and really, I guess, lose myself in it. I've been so self-conscious and worrying about too many things that I shouldn't be worrying about. And, um, yeah, it's really good. It's the first time I've properly had an orgasm during sex without any help from anything else. And when it, when it happened, I was like, oh, my God, that just happened. Um, and Milan's just <laughs> the first thing he said was just another reason why we're perfect together. <laughs> God, what a it's loser. So corny, but it's so amazing. Oh, young love, isn't it? Disgusting. No, I don't I don't mean that, I mean beautiful. <laughs> Thank you so much, you two. So ask anyone who's been in a relationship longer than a couple of years and they'll tell you that staying together can be hard. And what if just staying together isn't enough? What if, like Mel and Merlin, you want to hold on to just a little of that initial adoration? And love, true love, will follow you. Each of the couples we're about to hear from have one thing in common. Despite having had to get through major challenges like having kids, moving cities and in some cases dealing with infidelity, they all still enjoy each other's company. As always, the discussions you're about to hear are of a frank nature, so if there's little ears around, just come back and listen at another time. Also, we thought it was more important that the couples felt open to share, so they're all either avoiding using each other's names or else using pseudonyms. Our first couple met when they were both 24, but there were barriers in the way of them getting together right away. As soon as those disappeared, though, things moved pretty quickly, and only three months into their relationship, they were pregnant. They were totally infatuated, perhaps a little naive about how a baby might affect their relationship and so they went ahead and started a family. Our interview starts in the very place where all the trouble began. 
And at the time when she was born, we were sleeping on a mattress on the floor, you know, in a slightly damp house. And I'm pretty sure the mattress was like one that the neighbour chucked out or something. And it was like heavily dented on both sides where some couple had been sleeping quite separate for quite some time. Eight years on, the couple have two kids and a proper bed gifted from a grandparent. And their intimate life has fared really well. I think generally we probably haven't had a period in our relationship where we've been like, oh, we never have sex. I think we're pretty lucky in that in that regard. And um, part of it comes down to that we've got quite a good like psychology around the act, you know, like it's we kind of try and keep it light and fun. And um, if there's like bad juju between us, then I'll I'll never like press the case sort of thing. Like just leave it as its sort of sacred thing because you might taint it if you're both in a shit mood, but you're like, ah, oh, we should bonk anyway. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah, just I'd, keep it I'd like, agree, yeah. yeah. Keep it fun. You did tell me to stop talking the other day when I brought up something super mundane. What in the lead up? It was something yeah. like, oh, don't forget we've got to pick something out. No, it was the, the rubbish. It was the rubbish. God, don't forget to put the rubbish out in the morning. It was. He was like, stop, no. Don't talk about that now. I was like, oh, true. And I also think in terms of the attraction stuff, like for me, more of the attraction comes down to like the day-to-day boring stuff. Like I'm like way more impressed and attracted to you like when you cook an amazing meal and then I see you playing with the kids in the evening and then you do the bath routine I'm like oh yeah this guy's awesome like that's attractive to me because if you feel like you've been taken for granted all day or you're just part of the furniture and you're just like the dishwasher and then you're the lunch maker and then you're the bum wiper you're like ah no one else touch me or need anything from me. Thank you very much at the end of the day. How does it work for you? Um, I like to feel wanted. Like I'll, I'll like dress up and stuff and try and impress her and, you know. I just haven't let myself <laughs> completely go, you know, like I'm not going to go and eat a Big Mac and and just come home and like expect her to pash me or something, <laughs> you know. I think often in sexual relationships people will put the onus on the other person to be sexy when half the job is within your own mind. Making an effort to see someone for their strengths and and beauty and stuff, even though they've put on like 20 kgs or, um, (laughs) yeah, I like covered in in milk or whatever. That's really If you were to look at your sex life and your relationship with intimacy with each other now compared to at the beginning and your experiences, individual experiences of pleasure over the course of your sex lives, what would your overall kind of impressions be? I feel I feel like this is so cliche, but it, it's kind of like a wine. Like, like when you put a new wine in the barrel, it'll get you drunk as, as hell. But as that sort of initial like fieriness might sort of peter out, there's some some nuance and. Um... It's definitely something overall though that I think requires effort and considerate thought. You really do have to maintain it, like, like just connecting 
frequently, whether that's ensuring that you do actually give each other a kiss in the morning before you go off to work or connecting with each other at the end of the day with a hug and a how have you been Hmm. and keeping that physicality alive because the minute you start to become like cold physically whether you intentionally mean to or not it just gets yeah harder and harder yeah and um this guy's a really awesome just a very respectful lover like the best yeah the best lover very interesting and thoughtful just really thank you for calling me interesting an no, interesting lover interesting. no it's no, good no like um it's good. that's not quite the word i was looking for you're very like you're really Innovative. you're yeah. <laughs> Very equal. You you have a sense of equality in the bedroom, which I think is not to be taken for granted. You see the benefit in mutual pleasure. New Zealander of the year, give it to me. That's right. Yeah, I mean, we've probably painted it super rosy, but I think when you look over the arc of the the eight years, you know, there's like always the ups and downs, but I think overall it's like still really good. But it's definitely a work in progress. I think we're both, that's something we'd both agree on, that it's something that we consciously work on. So it's time to hear from our expert. Helen Mounsey from Sex Therapy New Zealand is also listening to our couple's stories, and she's going to reflect a bit on what she hears. Plus, she's going to add a bit of context based on the many, many relationships she's seen over her years as a therapist. In general, there are numbers of people who don't have the ability to accept the changes in us as we mature, of our bodies, of our interest, of just our general lives. And he was speaking about understanding and appreciating the, the total and complex person that she is. And I think he's stepping outside the narrow view of what a sexy person is or, or, or what a turn-on is or what a passion involves. It's more than just a body that works for me. I, I just get the sense that he sees her for her complexity mm. and, for the, and, and sees the couple for their complexity as well. What about her comments on desire? She she talked about the idea that when she saw him being a good dad or making dinner for everyone or when she felt appreciated and not just part of the furniture, that made her more open and receptive to physical intimacy. Is that is that a real gendered difference? Do you see that? Oh, absolutely. I, I would say it's a regular part of my work, helping couples see the difference between their needs And for women to feel that it's not all about her body or it's not all about providing the intimacy of sex, it's about being important enough to make me toast and tea in the morning or important enough for you to see how the children need you equally as I do. So the sense of who we are as parents is a shared one. And it's a turn on to see one's partner being immersed and invested in our children, our lives. And you know, I often think about this, that if you were to choose between love and respect, I reckon respect has, I'm reluctant to say it, but I think respect has more going for it. If we lose respect for our partner, it's a struggle to love them. Um, 
And I think being social, you know, couples who don't actually do things with other people miss out on uh, an opportunity to see their partner viewed by other women, other men, seeing them operate in in a community. And we see another aspect of our partner when we see them flirting with another woman or ch- talking with another guy and we listen to how they're speaking, how other people attend to them, how other people respect them. It gives us another view on how we are together and it's important to have a social life. Mm. And that can be really hard, obviously, with young children, especially for couples who don't maybe have much in the way of family support around. Oh, yes. Do you see many parents with young kids coming in with these kinds of issues or, I guess, older couples with issues that hark back to that period? Oh, yes, absolutely. And it would be one of the main focuses is to look after your couple time. You got together as a couple because you wanted to be together. And often we don't anticipate the change that comes with having children. And the couple gets lost. So prioritising couple time is hugely important, as is prioritising our individual self-time, if we can. And even if it's going to mean saving up, saving your pennies to pay a babysitter, just... um, ensuring that you have a break where you have conversations that A, are not about the children, B, are not about money, but C, about us and our dreams and who you are, how you are. Tell me about you. And an opportunity to listen or be listened to. Thank you, Helen. We will come back to you shortly. The story of how Sarah and Joe met is different depending on who you ask. As Sarah tells it, she was going through a bit of an antisocial phase but went out to a club anyway where a friend pointed out a woman at the bar who was smiling in their direction and obviously keen for attention. Joe says she wasn't making eyes at all but had noticed Sarah looking really grumpy and was smiling to be nice. But either way, they were introduced and that was it. You? Complete me. And I just had. Shut up. Just shut up. You had me at hello. You had me at hello. 18 years on, what started as Joe's first same sex relationship now involves a civil union and two children. Our interview starts with some theories on sticking together through the tough stuff. I remember a friend of ours saying about the seven year inch cliche. Oh, look, you know, it's really easy, just don't scratch it. I remember similarly reading an article once about someone whose parents have been married for, you know, bazillion to years, and someone asking her dad, you know, what the secret was to staying married. And he said, well, just don't get divorced. You know, expect that you will have these things will happen, you will have these phases that go through your relationship and your life, but you just choose whether you're going to respond to them or not. I often wonder when we talk about that kind of thing, for people who aren't in that long-term relationship, it must sound... Quite unappealing, yeah. You know? Like settling. Or, yeah. yeah. I think in this day and age, with people divorcing and remarrying, and the kind of multitude of different types of familial relationships, it's much more acceptable not to work at stuff. And I think sometimes people look at it and think, "Can I be bothered?" 
is it worth enough to me to be bothered? You know, television and the media and, and all of these things kind of force upon us this idea of if you're not in love, then it's not working for you. And, mm. you know, it's okay to move on. And actually, it's not about being in love every minute of every day. It's about loving the person and loving the things that you are together. My perspective of a good, solid relationship is not, do you desperately want to be with this person, but could you bear to be without them? I don't feel the need to be with her 24 hours a day, seven days a week, but I hate the idea of being without her long term. That just is not going to happen in my book. I mean, I have friends who have had really rough, long periods in their marriages and got through them and are... So much more solid for it. Yeah. Have you, within your relationship, had to have a conversation with each other about something that you wanted to do or try that was something you hadn't? Yeah, absolutely. The sexual part of your relationship is something that you need to work at as well. Like everything else, it's not just always there or always something that's prevalent. So as part of that process, we have tried things yeah i mean we've definitely indulged it's a degree of exploration that's Mm. for sure and then sometimes it's gone acting (laughs) in my head that was fantastic in reality nah (laughs) but yeah a lot of it is just about trust really being able to laugh at yourself but also knowing that your partner's not going to laugh at you is a massive thing sometimes when you're trying something different in sex and it just goes terribly wrong it's quite nice to just go that was ridiculous what were we thinking (laughs) what was the point of that without worrying that the person's going to go no way you lunatic in terms of experiences of pleasure and how that's changed over your time together and over your lives what would you say i don't know i've not noticed any particular decrease in quality Decreasing quantity because we're Thanks. both knackered, yeah, <laughs> both absolutely knackered all the time. Yeah, so. I think there's there's lots of different things that impact it. In part, it's how you feel about yourself as well, and kind of overcoming those barriers a little bit sometimes when initiating or reciprocating. Um, Do you think it's different with two women that we both get in our own heads too much? Possibly. I think being able to have open conversations if you know as relationships go you should be able to tell your partner what you like and don't like mm. even as a young person today it's probably something to learn to be able to do yeah. my early experiences of sex felt pressured mm. to have sex and Although I was the one that consented, I felt like someone had just been chipping away at a brick wall for a seriously long time before I did, and I felt like I just kind of gave in. But I think that some of what we're talking about in terms of the conversation can happen before consent. You know, you can actually have those conversations about, you know, what are you interested in? What type of things have you tried? What do you want to try outside of a sexual encounter? Mm. And I think that's probably one of the things about a relationship that's different is the ability to have a conversation without it automatically meaning that you're jumping into bed to try something.
During that conversation, we heard Sarah talk about friends who had gone through a really long, tough patch. What does Helen Mounsey from Sex Therapy New Zealand have to say about how normal a rough patch that lasts years is? I can't answer how normal it is, but I see people who have had 10 more years without sex, without intimacy, and without without a sense of connection, but they've had other things that have held the relationship together. They've either got um, strong family ties or shared interests or financial or business commitments, something else that's ensured they've stayed together without what they might call a luxury of of closeness. Mm. And can that closeness be brought back even after a period of of 10 years? It can, but it's a high hurdle to jump. Mm. (laughs) It's a sense of shame that we're fighting most of the time, fearing the shame that they will feel if they say, can you come to my bed? Or can we make a time when we can have sex? And fearing that um, if we do, it might not go so well, or maybe, you know, one of us can't warm up to this. Maybe his erection isn't going to work, or maybe I'm not going to be, you know, turned on enough. But I say to people, get some lube, have two or three bottles of it, wherever it needs to be, under your pillow, and use it. Young and old need it at times particularly like this when when you're really working hard to be as good as you can be for the occasion. Do couples give up more easily on relationships these days or did couples back in the day stick it out beyond the point where they should have actually given up? I think that young people feel entitled to more options and that they're is going to be more luck with another option. In earlier days, in many cases, uh, separation was impossible. Well before the DPB came in, for example, there was financial um, difficulty, Mm. impossibility really, of going there. Um, Yes, clearly it's more of an option these days. But... I constantly hear the statement, we've got through this awful time and now we're stronger than ever. And the reason for that is that all couples will go through a stage where they are challenged by difference, challenged by their partner and challenged by the stage that the relationship's at. And we can often benefit from hanging in there and getting through them and understanding them. One couple that can attest to the benefits of sticking through a tough time are Lena and Stu. They've known each other since they were 16, when Lena's mum really loved the idea of them getting together, but Lena didn't really give it much thought. When they were 18, the stars finally aligned to bring them together. I'd been stood up by my boyfriend, and um, we had a party, and Stu was across the room uh, looking at me. I think he was. It was either drunk eyes or he was actually looking at me. Mm. And I was looking <laughs> back at him without drunk eyes, but with lusty eyes. And we ended up on the dance floor, which is unusual because Stu doesn't dance, but we ended up mm, on the dance floor. Dancing, yeah. <laughs> then he went downstairs to go to the toilet. 
and I followed him down in the hope that he would come back out and, and I would maul his face, which I did. Gave him a big pash when he came out. And then we migrated to the warm-up room for another big passion of fondle. <laughs> and uh, then it was all on, and mum, mum was wrapped. She, she thought I'd scored big time. 26 years later, these two have four children and two grandchildren together. And their sex life has always been really good. In fact, that chemistry would end up going a great way towards saving their relationship, when 20 years in, they would hit a really rocky time. Mm. Um, yeah, I went off and had an affair with someone. Um, and it was, oh, it's hard to explain, but it was almost like an escape from life. That's, that's what it felt like to me. Um, I mean, I wouldn't say the person I had the affair with was, well, definitely wasn't any more attractive or nicer person than, than Lena. But, um... I don't know, that particular time in life, I was struggling with something and, yeah, it just felt like a break from, I mean, I could forget normal life, yeah. I don't think it was about me. I mean, I know that we had problems with our relationship, but I don't think it mm, was about me. It wasn't. And I could see that. If Stu had, through um, stress-developed heart disease, I wouldn't have turned away from him, but because he had developed this relationship with somebody else, and it seemed totally out of character, then I wasn't going to um, turn my back on him if he needed my support. Um, so I didn't. I stuck. I mean, he's my best friend. Like, he's the most amazing person I've ever met. He's intelligent, he's wise, he's funny. We have similar interests and similar values. I wasn't going to chuck that away for a, an, just a, an affair, which I think is just a crossroads, really. It's amazing how you dealt with that. Because you had so much advice from all your, a lot of friends. Mm, yeah. Get rid of them, mm. you know, you'll once never a, change. Yeah, once um, a cheater, always a cheater. And look, we're all mm. capable of doing it. We're all humans, we all have attractions to other people. I kind of understood what Stu had done. So actually throughout this whole time, our sex was still really good. Because that is one of my main love languages, is touch. And if I didn't have that touch, I wouldn't feel loved. So I was full game. How did you feel, feeling like maybe that touch was being shared with someone else that didn't make you want to pull back? No, it made me want to try harder. So yeah, so what I do is I love harder. And I went on to various porn sites to look up really good blowjobs. And I mastered the blowjob. And I swear I won them back with that. <laughs> do you remember that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I feel like some of our listeners might be listening to this and being like, why is she being so nice? You know, imagine a movie where something like this happens and then the wife goes out of her way to win him back with mm. great sex and love. Like, I'm not, I feel like maybe there'd be a bit of a disconnect for the audience wondering why not you <laughs> learning how to get really great hit from Paul. <laughs> <laughs> well, he was always really good at sex, okay? We've always, he's always been really amazing. But the essence of who Stu is, is what I love. I couldn't imagine being with somebody else. Stu totally gets me. I do get you, yeah. yeah. You're very likeable. See? Very likeable. Why would I give that up? <laughs> <laughs> it feels like it's been quite a long road to recovery. What, this was about six, six or seven years ago? It's eight years ago now. Mm, eight years ago. Sure. Yeah. 
if you can kind of step back and look at the way your relationship and intimacy has changed over that period where you were at then and where you are at where you're at now I just think it's got better everything's got better yeah I mean it's crazy to say it but if that hadn't have happened it wouldn't be like it is now I don't think the affair was one of the best things that ever happened to our relationship and I think if anybody can get through it and understand the etiology of the affair and heal that peace then the relationship can only get more amazing and stronger mm. so you see pr provided that you keep on the course that you're on now you see a long future for you together yeah I do yeah. I can't see any other future mm. actually we still like talking to each other we still enjoy each other a lot mm. on every level hey. mm. I think we're fine okay are you allowed to swear on these things I'll just beep it okay I think we're really lucky. <laughs> <laughs>
where are they now? Why am I missing them? How can I encourage and find them again? I also would say all couples would benefit from understanding that we have this complex thing going on for us where we want safety on one hand and we want excitement on the other. We want surprises, but we also want predictability. So how can you bring those elements yourself into the relationship? You can only change 50%, your 50%. Don't try and change your partner. Change yourself. Any other change will follow, and if it doesn't, then you need a discussion about that. You need to talk about it. But take responsibility for your 50%, and it enables you to be kind it enables you to be less critical and less judgmental because you are being focused on what you yourself can be grateful for. That's it for this episode of Bang. If this has raised any questions for you, we can put them to Australian sexologist Nikki Goldstein on your behalf. She's going to be live with us at 8.30 on Wednesday, August 23rd in Nights on RNZ National. So if you want to ask a question, just download the RNZ Vox Pop app and put it there or else email bang at radionz.co.nz and you can send any feedback there as well. Thank you so much for listening. You can subscribe by going to iTunes, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. If you get a minute to rate or review us, then please do. We're also really easy to find on the new RNZ app, which you can download for free from the App Store. Bang was produced by me, Melody Thomas, with special assistance from Marcus Stickley, engineered by William Saunders, and the executive producer was Tim Watkin. Next time, we explore contraception and conception in episode 5, Maybe Baby. We got offered sperm in bars when people were drinking. We had a guy come up to us in the supermarket. In the fruit section. Just going, if you ever need some sperm, come and see me.